I want to maybe split this uh, section into two. I would like to do a little bit of a recap. Um, I want to read, first of all, from uh, John 8, verse 38 through to 41, which Steve read last week, but I want to just link it into that first. I think it's important that we just connect there because the subject today is about from the Father. It's looking at God the Father as his Father, as being the Christ's Father, our Father, and also honouring the Father. So the, the subject is the Father this morning. So to connect into that first, let's just read the few verses that were also read last week. So it's from verse 37 of John 8. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. I think the, the thing I want to connect into here that is that after we learned from the Lord Jesus in his teaching about being free and the, the joy he was talking to Christians, he was talking to those, the people in the courtyard of the temple and there was a mixture of people there. There were those that we learned who believed. And he talked to them. And he talked about the importance of their freedom, as we learned last week. But also there amongst them were the Pharisees and Jews who did not believe. And so he talks to them too. It's a lovely picture, I think, and it's important, I think, for us to get the, the, the feeling again when we're trying to picture the Lord there talking to the crowd, talking to the people with a mixture of those who believe and those who don't, and linking it today to us who are believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and to apply this. Because it, we read in verse... 38 there, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. It's a beautiful picture of the man sitting there, or maybe standing there in the courtyards of the temple, and he's telling them, I have come from heaven. I am telling you what I have seen in the presence of God. He was God, of course. He was the son of God. And so he had the authority of God. And he was able to be sitting there with that authority and speaking to these people who were mere humans like us and say, I have been in the presence of God and I'm talking to you as somebody who has seen 
that is so powerful. We see him as the son of God, but also as the son of man. He was somebody who also had the confidence in the knowledge of the presence of God as a man. Because he learned obedience. He was somebody who spent time as the sinless son of man, able to grow in appreciation as a man, in understanding and being in the presence, enveloped in, with the Holy Spirit that, if you remember, came upon him like a dove and then dwelt him. And so he was able to have these times as he grew up, and certainly, as we read about in the private times when he was with his father, as he went apart, he was in the presence of God. And that is something we can relate to, because we too, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, are able to enjoy the presence of God in our meditations, in our prayer, and our knowledge grows because of the Holy Spirit within us, who is given to us to indwell us as a counsellor, as somebody who informs us, and our appreciation of God comes from him. So that verse 38 there, the picture of the Lord Jesus just talking to them as somebody who has been in the presence of God, as compared to those who do not believe, who have heard from their father. Now, there's, he's, because he's talking now to the unbelievers, he's indicating that there's two fathers here. One is the father in heaven, the one of whom he has been in the presence of, that he is the son of. And there's the other father, who is a devil. And these two are indicating quite clearly that there is only the two. You're either of one or you're of the other. And it's a very sobering thought. And you read as we go through this latter part of chapter 8 is the challenges that come from Satan. Because he's telling them it, their father is Satan. Their father is somebody that they're copying. And like a child copies his father, that uh, he looks up to as he grows and he looks to his father and he sees him doing. And we often see the funny things of children copying their father in their actions. This is the person that you look up to, the person that you love, the person that influences your life is so critical when you're a certain stage in your nurturing in your, your growing stage. Your father is important. If you've given yourself over to Satan, then that's how you're going to start acting like him. And how did Satan act? Well, we're going to read in a minute that he's a murderer and he's a liar. And the Lord Jesus spells that out. So let's just read the rest of the, the section together. So if we just look at the, the middle part of uh, verse 41, where the Pharisees respond to the Lord Jesus, and he says, 
And they say, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. They've gone away from, as the Lord Jesus has, has clearly said to them, that they cannot be the sons of Abraham. And for that, I meant to mention this, actually, that uh, Abraham, they were descendants of Abraham. And so in the physical sense, they were uh, of Abraham because they came down from the lineage of Abraham. But spiritually speaking, they were not of Abraham because they did not copy Abraham. As I was saying about copying your father, you know, if Abraham was their father, they would be doing the things of their father. They would be doing the things that Abraham did. And he was a man who, because of his faith, it was regarded to him as righteousness. And through him, we are the offspring that all mankind who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour are of the offspring of Abraham because of his faith. In faith, we accept Jesus Christ as our saviour. Abraham, through faith, he was somebody who believed and he was somebody who saw the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It had been revealed to him and he looked forward to it. He appreciated it, although he hadn't seen it and wouldn't be able to see it. It was something that he understood. And so when we talk about the offspring of Abraham, then believers are the spiritual offspring of Abraham because we follow him in faith. So putting that again, just going back to our reading. So verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come of my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is a judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you're a demon, you're, you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Did you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is as your God is the one who glorifies me. 
Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do not, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said, and you've seen Abraham. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. You get to the point here where Jesus, he disowns them. He disowns that section of the group, the Pharisees, who were the children of Satan. He disowns them. He says why he disowns them, because they do not love him and they do not understand him. Go back to, if you remember, but when we read back in, in John chapter 3, there was um, a section there, I think we've referred to it before, uh, in verse 34. John chapter 3, I'll read from verse 31 because it's it, it just ties it up again. The one who comes from above is above all. This is John 3, 31. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. And then the final bit, really, again, as we said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in him. They did not love the Lord Jesus. Again, applying it to ourselves, and it's important that we, I'm talking to people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that. But being challenged daily about your love for the Lord Jesus, I think, is so important because it reflects how we act. I'm talking about being God as our Father and emulating Him and trying to link that with our own Father. At certain times in our uh, childhood and our growing up, we are dependent on our father figure and we grow in love for him. And of course, there could well come a point when you break away and you don't follow your father anymore because you don't agree with certain things that he does and such like. But that's a period of time where you hold on to him and you follow him and you need him and you trust him totally. In loving the Lord Jesus who came from the Father is Jesus' challenge to the people he was talking to there was that, you know, if you believe you are of God and if you believe God is your Father, 
then you have to love me because I'm coming from him. I am talking as somebody who's been in his presence. I am talking as somebody who knows firsthand. And therefore, he challenged them. They say, you don't love me. You want to kill me. You hate me. So how can you possibly acknowledge God as your father? We challenged today in our lives with the thought of, do you love the Lord Jesus? Because it reflects how you love God and how you live your life and how much you listen to the word of God. You know, they, when it comes to the, uh, the parable of the Lord Jesus told about the seed, it was scattered on different grounds. The seed was good. The seed is the word of God, of course. And the word of God, the voice of God, the influence of God, the will of God, is the seed that comes out from God. Where it lands is of great importance. The seed's good, but the ground is different. And you know the story about the different grounds. And that reflects on us. It reflects on mankind generally, but it also reflects on us as Christians as to how prepared we are, like a prepared soil receiving the seed, which is the word of God. And that is challenging us because it's like our love for the Lord Jesus, our love for the seed, our love for the word of God. And if we have prepared, if we are able to understand and appreciate it, then the seed is going to take root faster and it's going to grow richer and it's going to have greater fruit based on the preparation of the soil. Some of you may have been following the, the reading in the uh, the text, um, the daily text. We're in Ezekiel. You've probably been, if you've been following the, the chapters in the early parts of Ezekiel, it's quite challenging. When we read these things, and Rhoda and I have been sort of reading them together and scratching our heads and having great difficulty understanding it. And when you read about a, a time when we're talking in, in, a, in a vision that Ezekiel has of the desolation of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, that when you read about the departure of the uh, presence of God over the mercy seat, and if you read about the cherubim rising up with wings that are full of eyes and underneath them, are wheels that are within wheels and they are turning and the faces that are on the cherubim of the cher cherubs and the face of a man and of a lion and of an eagle and you scratch your head and you think, what does that mean? When we're talking about the word of God and we think we who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and this is what the Lord Jesus is saying here. This 
he has come from God and he's speaking and he's challenging them. You don't understand me. And we are sitting reading Ezekiel and we're thinking, do I understand this? Is God then wrong? Is God giving us things to read that we don't understand? We can, of course, take the picture and just shut our Bibles and think, I don't understand that. That's way beyond me. That is above my understanding. I throw the Bible away. I can do that. Or we can be in trust before God and think, well, he's given us that. He has put that in his word, and he has enabled me, a pure, a simpleton who struggles with it, and he wants me to understand. What does he want me to understand? The intricacies of the cherubim? The understanding of the majesty and the almighty God of heaven? To a degree, he wants to raise me up a little bit so that I go away scratching my head but thinking about it and trying to appreciate God is great. He is way beyond my understanding. And even just sitting to think, well, what does a wheel look within a wheel? What do these faces of the cherubim mean? They mean that God is great. He is way beyond my understanding. But Take what you can. The Holy Spirit is within me. God dwells in me. And I can speak to him and say, help me understand a little bit here about the reluctance of God. One leaving a people that he loved, a people that he felt was necessary to judge, a people that he had to leave behind. And the agony of it all, even me understanding just a little bit of it. The Lord Jesus' challenge here is that now he was speaking to people who had the Holy Spirit amongst them. We have the Holy Spirit within us. That is greater. You can see it in the difference between uh, what happened to Peter. When Peter pre-Pentecost, uh, and Peter, post-Pentecost, he was a different man. His confidence was greater because of the power of the Holy Spirit within him. The Lord Jesus was pointing to that and saying, effectively, trust me, believe me, I am from God. This is me speaking the words of God. I speak them in truth. Satan's a murderer and he's a liar. We know that from Genesis 3. We know that when he said to Eve, you will not surely die. And he was probably after Eve took of the fruit and ate it, he probably, I'm saying this <laughs> as a possibility, but he's almost saying, well, look, you're still living, aren't you? You've eaten the fruit and you're still living. God said you would die. Of course, as we know, it was the misunderstanding and the twisting that Satan does and it still does to people today and the people that Jesus was speaking to there when he said, when the Lord Jesus said that they wouldn't die, that they will mocked him because they got confused between physical death and spiritual death. 
Satan's a liar and he was a murderer. Death came in because Satan brought death in. And he brought in not just physical death, but spiritual death. Adam and Eve did die. Adam and Eve died physically. But the opportunity in mankind is that we will live. If we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we will live forever. And that's what the Lord Jesus is teaching. Satan's trying to deny that. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's causing men to die eternally. He's causing them. He's a murderer. And he's a liar. He's going around telling people that's not true. And the Lord Jesus is sitting amongst them here. And he's saying, I'm from the Father. Why don't you love me? Mindful of time, I just want to quickly go on to the, the latter part, which is um, from verse um, 48 onwards, where the Lord Jesus is really um, having to defend himself. And it's, it's sad in many ways, but it's a lovely picture of the grace of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that when these people that he knew were of Satan, he knew Satan was, was there in the midst of them, challenging him and testing him and tempting him and trying to divert people away from him. It's the Lord Jesus' grace comes out when he says, you know, I, I'm not a Samaritan. I'm not of the devil. Why did he have to say that? Is that not obvious? Well, it wasn't to them, of course. But he was somebody who had been rejected. He was somebody who... He was able to say that Abraham had rejoiced over the fact of the knowledge of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... This was something that he, in his graciousness amongst them, he said, challenging them, you do not speak truth. He was the one who said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And he, I think he thought, he might, I'd love to have been able to see his face and to try and imagine it is enough as he sat there and saying the things that he did that were so powerful. And here he's being challenged by Satan in their midst and lovingly as the one who's come to die for them, the one who's about to go to the cross and bear their sins, the one who's come and given up so much from in heaven is being insulted by these people. And he's saying, you dishonor me. It brings tears to your eyes to just try and picture the Lord there sitting amongst them, saying, you dishonor me. And at the end of it, he's going to say, oh, but I'm still going to the cross. I'm not wavering. And despite the power of Satan constantly firing his bullets at him, he's 
trying to challenge him to stop him going there, then he's going because of his love for us. We see the character of the believer in it all is that if we keep his word, that's the character of the believer, to keep the word of God. The word that became flesh is the beautiful person of Christ, is our challenge that's given here, is to be a believer, is to love his word and to keep it, and to see also the privilege of being a believer. The privilege is that we shall not see death. Jesus was mocked about that. You and I will not see death. <laughs> and of course, you know I'm talking about spiritual death. We may well see physical death, but we will not see spiritual death because Jesus Christ is life. He came and he gives life. Satan is death. That's the contrast. And so chapter 8 finishes really with this lovely picture is that the Lord Jesus saying, he's not come to seek revenge. That's been given to his father. He's come to die for us. He's come to give us life. And he's given us life eternal. <laughs>